0: YouTube Skills Week, Bread Making The second item on my YouTube Skills Week, following taxidermy, is baking bread, which I have never attempted. I inherited a fear of yeast from my mother, who found it odd that you could deliberately add a fungus to your food when other evidence of fungus, a fuzzy rainbow smear on sour cream, was damning evidence of a careless housewife. She had the same cautious attitude toward gelatin. How could an innocuous white powder trick liquid into congealing? I had overcome my gelatin intimidation by exactly following the directions on the package of Nox unflavored gelatin. I have freed myself from the tyranny of a recipe, winging it with fruit desserts. Time to spend quality time with yeast." I know nothing about the energetic skill of kneading, so I home in on no Need bread-making videos. My first video shows a pair of hands going through the steps with a recipe scrolling beneath. There is no face and no voice. The arms and wrists in the video are hairy, feral, and unappetizing, so I move on. I don't need a face, but I do want the reassurance of a voice to walk me through the steps. I find Deandra, a woman with clean fingernails and a welcoming southern draw. She never shows her face, but when she bends to slide the bread into the oven, her stringy hair falls forward, carrying with it the disconcerting threat of a wayward strand of hair embedded in the dough. I am clearly spending too much quality time with YouTube videos, so I tie my hair back and press ahead. The recipe is pathetically simple, involving three cups of flour, two cups of warm water, and a scant one-quarter teaspoon of yeast. Deandra, my peppy mentor, apparently wants to engage all senses and encourages me to smell the dough. The minimal odor I detect is a bit queefy, but I'm probably biased. My familiarity with yeast is limited to vaginal infections. The tiny smidge of dough I sample is tasteless, so different from cookie batter, worth the risk of salmonella, and half the point of making cookies. How can this sticky dough, sprinkled with a minuscule amount of yeast, be transformed into the fragrance and delight of homemade bread? It feels like alchemy. I set the dough aside to rise and devote the three hours to a rumination on the role that bread has played in our stunning evolution. The cultivation of wheat and grain is closely tied to the transition from nomadic hunter-gatherers to farmers in fixed communalist societies. I pause to consider the sturdy shoulders I stand on, those of our ancient relatives who somehow figured out that wheat is edible. The bristly stalk is not inviting compared to luscious, sensual, low-hanging fruit that just begs to be eaten. Somebody, somewhere and bread simultaneously evolved in multiple societies around the world, figured out the trick of separating the wheat from the chaff, and then, of course, the fermentation, together a triumph of determined craft and ingenuity. And then, with the newfound powers of speech, some distant hero passed the recipe on to the next generation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bread, both symbolically and literally, is embedded into the history and literature of all cultures. I recall this ambitious couplet from the Bible. Give us this day our daily bread, and deliver us from evil. As one of the cheapest foods, bread became the nutritious mainstay of the poor. I have a distinct memory of a passage from Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. In the depths of the Depression, the impoverished Jode family migrates west in a futile search for jobs. Ma announces, with quiet dread, that they are about to run out of flour and are facing starvation. When I read this as a preteen, my only knowledge of flour was as an ingredient of cookies baked as a treat. I remember thinking, what the hell does she need flour for? Fortunately, I kept my ignorant thoughts to myself. I was dangerously close to Marie Antoinette's famously flippant comment to the starving peasants, "'Let them eat cake!' My dough has risen. I realize that basic chemistry burbles beneath, that the yeast is digesting sugars and releasing carbon dioxide that is trapped in the sticky dough. But I am still impressed that the tiny amount of yeast can essentially lift a mountain of dough, doubling its size.' As instructed by Deandra, I have preheated an empty Dutch oven pot for 35 minutes at 450 degrees. Now I put the ball of dough into parchment paper and insert it into the pot. In a high-pitched voice, Deandra reminds me several times that the pot is hot, which makes me question the smarts of her anticipated audience. The bread will cook for 35 minutes, and then another 15 with the lid off. More time to ruminate. The price of bread has served as a prominent signpost of economic stability, reflected in bread-related synonyms. The single word bread or dough standing in for money, breadwinner as a wage earner, rolling in the dough, an idiom for wealth. The expense of flour and bread has been credited with fomenting revolutions, including Marie Antoinette's French Revolution, and more recently, the Arab Spring. I remove my bread, again heeding the advice to wear oven mitts. My loaf is beautiful, magnificent. Deandre tells me to tap the bread with a knife to appreciate the slightly hollow sound of the trapped gas. I listen to the comforting crunch as my serrated knife saws through the bread, liberating a suffusing aroma, unchanged for thousands of years. The aroma that greets travelers returning home. The aroma that invites friends and strangers to sit at the table and break bread. I stand in bewildered awe with my humble loaf in cupped hands.